1: Welcome to Guest of the Year. I'm the host. My name's Mike. Today we've got five deadheads from around the country competing for a prize pack donated by Play Dead. Play Dead is a collaboration between Mason, aka at From the Lot, our uh, guest curator a few weeks ago, and Jeremy. They do all kinds of dead-inspired apparel and other designs too. Their Instagram is at Always Play Dead. Give them a look. They're amazing at what they do. Thanks to Play Dead. And actually starting next week, Mason will be curating the prize pack. So every week we'll have a different designer or artist from the community, both established and up and coming. And they will be kind of our sponsor for that show by donating the prize pack. And from the lot, we'll be curating all of that. Very cool. Very exciting. Thank you, Mason. All right, here's how the game works. We'll play the first part of a Grateful Dead live track. And each contestant will use the messaging system to silently guess which year the performance is from. Contestants who are all on video chat to prevent any possibility of cheating can submit their guesses at any time during the clip or in the 10 seconds after it concludes. Whoever is furthest off from the correct year is eliminated. The last two Deadheads standing will have a best of three series to determine a winner. We've got our returning champion Chad here with us, and we'll meet the rest of the Deadheads in a moment, but first, let's hear the first song. Without further ado, The Grateful Dead.
0: It's
1: All right, the guesses are in. Casey Jones at the Fox Theater in St. Louis on October 18th, 1972. The folk character also appeared in the song The Ballad of Casey Jones, which the Grateful Dead played several times. Only one person got it right. Dave is 42 and he's from Charleston, South Carolina. You got 72, you're the only one. What'd you hear?
2: Uh, Well, this, I I was actually, uh, I was talking to Mason earlier today and I was like, we were laughing how we're either right on or 10 years off. And like at the beginning of it, I got these like super strong 80s vibes just from the sound quality. But then I like backtracked it and did all my isolations. I was like, okay, you know, what kind of, you know, keys am I hearing? You know, what's Jerry's tone like? And I was in the 71, 72 thing. And it's just, I went for 72 because it just overall quality of, the thing was, I don't know. I got, I got no answers. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a good answer. So yeah, you know, Mason,
1: because you run the Instagram tasty wave dies.
2: Correct. I've had the opportunity to die a bunch of his stuff and just, uh, other virtual lot related, uh, things like that.
1: Yeah. Well, it's a great page, but how'd you get into the dead?
2: Uh, I got lucky and had, uh, a stepdad that had seen, I think I see had seen about eight shows. So, Uh, I was able to see him uh, fall '93 and spring '94, um, which, looking back, like I I have a son that's 12 right now, and I don't know if I would drop him off at a dead show at 13 uh, these days. But luckily, uh, I got that opportunity, and I got to see Robert Hunter in '97, which is also just kind of one of those like uh, blown away moments. Is in this crazy snowstorm, so there was like 25 other people there, Um, and then just have always been the The one group that I always come back to—they're the greatest American rock band uh, ever—and I'm hooked. So
1: this Robert Hunter show—they, the show went on even with 25 people in the audience.
2: The show went on and just it was a uh, this was in Northeast Ohio and it was just a crazy Luke snowstorm that just like really like built through the afternoon and he was already in town, uh, a couple blocks from the theater and um they shut down all sorts of roads but i live like three blocks away so me and my buddies were able to go to it um and it was epic there's no on the internet there's no set list for it anywhere (laughs) so it's like i have these like you know a little bit of memories of just like that like thick like broke accent that he would that he would sing in and other than that just it's like this mythical thing that happened that um i can't really cooperate cooperate with any uh list or anything like that. So
1: did he reference the fact that there's only 20 people there?
2: How did he he had this that? like really he he uh he just did not even like taking any of it into account. He had this like living room kind of setup that was his like stage thing and he just was like hunkered down in there and he just did a show and then that was it and he, he was out of there.
1: I love that. True professional uh, as I mentioned before you do um Tasty Waves Dies, which is tasty underscore waves underscore Dies on Instagram. Shout out. Really, really cool stuff. How did that tie dye apparel company come to be?
2: Uh, It was something that kind of uh, was a pandemic uh, kind of happy accident. Uh, I had been a professional chef for about 20 years and uh, the restaurant I was working in closed. And I decided that wasn't a life that I wanted to go back to uh, if I had the opportunity to get out of it and I just kind of was exploring some different things and I needed like a creative outlet to do with my hands uh just to get out a lot of energy and um uh, somebody gave me an ice die kit and I just started messing around with it and it kind of got out of hand real quick and realized I had to start selling it to in order for it to pay for itself and um you know then like you know a year and a half later i've got uh an actual kind of company i'm <laughs> building that um either through custom dyes for people or shirts for artists or bands and record labels and stuff like that uh it's ended up being kind of uh i'm a stay-at-home dad right now um and that's like my kind of like work from home uh taking care of kids money but it's you know allowed me to like get really into this band I love, uh, all over again. And it's been fun to connect with, you know, all sorts of people like you, uh, in the process. So.
1: Do you miss the kitchen life? Cause I know that's like an adrenaline rush. That's hard to shake.
2: <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, my wife and I, I have five kids, uh, between us. So, uh, I cook for seven people on a regular basis. So it's kind of like running a restaurant, uh, in itself. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Perfect way to scratch the edge. Uh, Welcome, Dave.
2: Glad to be here. Thanks.
1: Okay, everyone else guessed 1971, so <laughs> everyone's <laughs> on to the next round. Um, we'll start with uh, John. John is 41. He's from Philly. Welcome, John. Would you why watch 71?
3: Um, it was yeah, it was kind of hard to distinguish anybody's tones really. Just kind of the way they were playing it seemed to be a 71-72 zone. And uh, I don't know, just went, went with 71.
1: Well, you're on to the next round, John. How'd you get into the dead?
3: Um, I was like, I would say maybe like casual fan when I was a teenager. I grew up in the Midwest. In the 90s, I was a teenager. So, like, there was no shortage of deadheads around. But, uh, I don't know. I was into a whole different scene at the time. And, like, it's actually funny because, like, you talk about getting on the bus. The bus, like, pulled over for me so many times and I didn't get on. Like, I got taken to, like, and friends and rat dog and stuff like that around like 99 2000. Just wasn't interested. Someone took me to Red Rocks to see the dead in like 2003. It was like it was cool, but I have I just like never grabbed me. And then I don't know, probably the last seven years or so with like all the live stuff getting put on spotify started going down that road but like i basically listened to like the same three shows on spotify over and over for years and like just now i'm starting to like dip into the archive and becoming obsessed
1: so what type of stuff did you listen to before you went down the the dead rabbit hole?
3: Um, Braid and Cap and Jazz. I don't know if anybody knows those bands, but I was very much in the emo, Midwest style emo scene. And like, my friends and I all played music. So, like, we started getting into like fusion and like prog rock and stuff from the early 70s. Like, Yes and King Crimson were big for me, Mahavishnu Orchestra, Miles Davis. Miles Davis is actually born in my hometown, <laughs> so we were all big Miles fans. And, like, I guess just from not having, like, that much exposure to a lot of the live dead stuff, like, I mean, now it's kind of obvious. There's, like, all kinds of shows where they go into, like, full-on, like, Bitches Brew. <laughs> sounding jams so it's like a no-brainer i think maybe i just like wasn't exposed to the right dead when it would have hit me now it's kind of like all i think about (laughs) like I'm, i'm just getting into the like obsessive phase that i guess everybody gets into
1: love it well welcome john thanks for being here thank you chad is our returning champion the man, who, the man who took down the mighty Larry, the Grateful Dentist. Chad is 48. And he's from Nashville, Tennessee. Chad, anything you want to add to the 71 analysis?
4: You know, I, uh, I I was going off kind of the the recording quality. I thought by 72, like everything sounds pristine as far as recording. And it could be, you know, album quality recordings. And so I just kicked it back a year. I thought, you know, it was right there, close. Um, uh, the tones of the band and, you know, everything that was going on, 71, 72. I, I just went with a, with just a slightly earlier year.
1: Thanks, Chad. Welcome back. Andy is 47 he's from Chicago. I think we've got 72 covered, Andy, but how'd you get into the dead? So
5: I was... Uh about 16 years old it was 1991 and um uh, one of my best friends his sister suzanne had extra tickets and took us both to soldier field uh june 22nd 1991 and uh bruce hornsby was on hand um it was a massive stadium show and and i had i was blown away i had already been turned on to the dead a few years prior by my uncle who sent me a cassette uh which was a recording of the vinyl of europe 72 and uh, europe 72 just grew on me ramble on rose jack straw brown women i mean come on um that it's the album to turn all your friends on to the dead it never gets old it's it's timeless as can be um and from there uh, the rest is history i uh <laughs> i college changed for me i just couldn't wait to see the next show um, I ended up seeing 50 shows between 91 and 95, you know, I went to college, uh, as a freshman and within the first two weeks of college, my friends convinced me to jump in their car and go to Richfield Coliseum in Ohio and see three shows. And, uh, I got to see a lot of amazing Grateful Dead shows and meet a lot of incredible people over the course of those years. And, um, from there it's just been a continuation i mean i I just can't get enough i i love all kinds of music but it always ends up going back to the good old grateful dead andy
1: welcome thanks for being here thank you thank you and then adam adam is 44 and adam you're from manistee michigan
6: yeah uh it's kind of northwest lower peninsula uh we're um, right up the road from Lake Michigan, the coast, about three minutes up the road. Cool.
1: And how'd you get into the dead?
6: Uh, I was thinking about this. Um, and one of my earliest memories, um, is being a child at my grandparents, they would have, um, this big gathering party for family and friends every summer. Um, and I would be inside, uh, and you know, old TV only had so many channels. Uh, this is early eighties, um, but I remember watching PBS a lot growing up. But every year they'd have at the same weekend, and there'd be the 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 telethon going on, and they would show um, what now I know is Dead Ahead, um, which ended up being uh, you know uh, Dead Set and Reckoning, um, and that was a really interesting memory uh, that I had this week, uh, thinking back, um, my first interaction, like actually seeing it even as a young child and being. Um, amazed by it and, and drawn into it, um, and yeah, I've just been a a huge deadhead <laughs> for decades.
1: So, does it ebb and flow, or just consistently fucking love the dead?
6: Consistently love the dead. Um, <laughs> I I've changed how I listen to the dead. Um, I mean, after so many decades of listening to the dead, you know, um, I'm 44. I'll be 45 this year. Um, and, and actively listening to the dead since I was probably 13, you know, and really, really digging into it. But now I, I listen to at least one show a day and I've been doing that for over 18 months. And it usually ends up being, you know, three or, or, or four, depending on what I'm doing with the day. Um, but it, it changes the way I look at at, at the music, uh, you know, you're searching for that secret, um, searching for the sound. Uh, i i dig it and uh it's a cool new way for me to uh enjoy the music
1: do you have a policy on skipping songs
6: uh shouldn't but yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> i have one uh road jimmy uh and i just have Whoa. A I know not all road jimmy's early 70s can stick around um but yeah but that's a personal thing i just need to get over it and just let it roll
1: <laughs> that's so funny because a couple episodes ago like the little like trivia fact was that was that jerry thought that the fans didn't like ro jimmy and i'm like i've never met a fan that doesn't like ro jimmy and then here we go a fan that doesn't like ro yeah. jimmy. Why, uh,
4: why why not ro jimmy
6: no it's a it's a personal thing it's not the song it's not the song at all like um, it's I'll
4: just, skip. Or, but, I'll skip a row, Jimmy, dude. Every
6: time. <laughs> what? Yeah. Put, here's the thing. What do I'll you like? Skip, know a guy I'll, named Jimmy you hate or something? I'll skip a row, Jimmy, but I won't <laughs> skip Bobby's slide practice. I okay. <laughs> I got nothing. I don't know.
1: Um, Adam, it seems like you're going to be a force in this competition. If you listen to three shows a day, so looking forward to seeing you go. And uh, let's play the next song. i <laughs> All right, the guesses are in. Me and my uncle, at... Jar Hall in Frankfurt, Germany on April 26, 1972. I'm turning into a sadist over here, pulling tricks on you guys. Sorry. Yeah, totally. <laughs> um,
5: my John, first reaction was 72.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah. I've never played back to back songs. Mine too. Um, <laughs> jo- John Phillips originally wrote Me and My Uncle at a Drinking Session in a Hotel Room with Judy Collins, Stephen Stills, and Neil Young. So. No uncles, but some good pals. So Chad was closest in 1973. The champ goes on to the next round. Chad, would you hear why 73?
4: Man, I heard 72 as well, and I actually was thinking hundred-year hall. Um, but hey, two 72s in a row. I guess I shouldn't be surprised. You might try to pull out something like that, Michael. But um,
1: <laughs> that I, was like a I, scolding, Michael.
4: hey no no No, so 70 72 is such an obvious year and so last time i got 71 this time i went to 73 you know i heard the one i heard i heard the one drummer and i don't try to focus a lot on one drummer because it's fooled me and my practice of you know thinking there's only one drummer and there's two but you know i just thought hey 73 was a big year a lot of me and my uncles that's what I pulled out.
1: Got it. Okay, Andy and John both got 74, and Dave gets 70. They are equally off in different directions. All three are on in the next round, which makes Adam the odd man out. Sorry, Adam, you're eliminated. We'll get to you in a sec. But first, Dave, you guessed 1970. What was your thought process there?
2: Well, like it's been said, I thought it was 72, but there was no way that we're going to have two of <laughs> those uh I'm already, guessing,
4: I, I, I'm already guessing 72 for the next one <laughs>
2: yeah i mean that's what i'm saying too and i guess i went early i went earlier because it had that little bit more of like freight trainy like vibe rather than uh where it went after 72 but that was just because i was convincing myself that it wasn't 72 and it's got to be something else uh so that's <laughs>
1: I love that freight trainee uh, description. Very nice. John, you guess 74 on in the next round. Anything you want to add?
3: Uh that was kind of a shot in the dark. I kinda of thought seven I kinda of thought seventy-two again also, but I don't know. I was just trying to decipher the bleeps and bloops that I was getting in the headphones.
1: Okay, you're on the next round. Uh, Andy, you also get 74.
5: I just yeah, my first reaction was this is 72. I know it. I I hear the sound that Europe 72 sound. But I'm like, I'm not. I'm getting played here. Right. And I did. I got played two in a row. Very clever move. There's 30 years to choose from here. But right two 72s in a row. And so I think the strategic move would have been to go 73 because you get one year on each side. Uh, so I, I went 74 I, where I, then I really started listening closely to be like, okay, there's only one drummer, right? Only one drummer. Cause that would be the deciding thing, uh, for if I went even later, like a 76, but, um, I went 74 to play it safe. Thanks. You're
1: on the next round, Adam, you got 78, I'm sorry for, uh, tricking you and now you're out. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, what did you, uh, what, what were you, what was your thought process?
6: Uh, kind of the same as everybody else's, um, I'd had the answers 1970 written in, and I was just sitting there waiting and listening. Um, Yeah, it was a that was a bad call. Uh, (laughs) I knew I knew it wasn't. You know, yeah, I draw on that one. Um, I thought I had the recording sound right, uh, and it's kind of airy, you know. And um, 72 kind of had that sound about it. Yeah. Yeah, bad call. I should have waited until the end of the song to guess.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, So three shows a day. Do you multitask while you listen? What do you do?
6: Uh, I work in data analysis uh, at a casino resort. Uh, So yeah, I have a lot of uh, time uh, to listen to shows and stuff, and uh, it keeps me moving kind of the soundtrack to my day now. Uh, But it's kind of been the soundtrack to my life. Uh, So it's cool. I dig it. I
1: really appreciate you being here. Um, yeah, thank you.
6: Thanks for having me.
1: Okay, Chad, Andy, Dave, and John are on to the next round. Let's play the song.
0: They're selling postcards for the hell. They're painting the passports brown.
2: The beauty parlors full of sailors. The circus isn't done.
0: He walks the blind commissioner. They've got him in a trance. One hand is tied to the of walker. The other is in his pants. And the riot squad. They're restless. They need somewhere to go. As Lady and I look out tonight on Desolation Road. That's a gorilla. She looks so easy. Takes one to know when she smiles. Puts her hands in her back pockets. Dead at Ava style. Benny walks, Romeo he's moaning. You belong to me, I believe. When someone says you're in the wrong place, my friend, you better leave. And the only sound you can hear back to the ambulances go. Cinderella sweeping up on Desolation Road.
1: All right. The guesses are in. It was Desolation Row at the Hartford Civic Center in Connecticut on March 26th, 1987. The Dead played the Dylan cover 58 times between 86 and 95. Chad and Andy both got it correct, 1987. Chad, we'll start with you. You're on to the next round. What'd you hear?
4: Well, I heard it seemed uh, more up-tempo to me as opposed to more Desolation Rows that were on later years that may have been a little slower and more drawn out. It was like that, those early masterpieces from 87. Uh, that Desolation Row, it just seemed really fast and um, seemed like an early version to me.
1: Great, you're on the next round, Chad. Andy, you also guessed 87.
5: Right away, it was the, it was the Tempo. Uh, it was impossibly fast even before they started, and uh, that says screams mid eighties to me. And I knew um, I I I was pretty sure eighty six was the first year they played it. Um, eighty seven was the year they toured with Bob Dylan, but obviously, which obviously narrows it down because that was in July where they had like a dozen shows with him. So they had probably weren't playing it th- during those shows, but this was in the spring, and that's where I said eighty seven. Um, it was fun version, but wow, impossibly fast!
1: Great. Well, Andy, you're on to the next round. Dave, you're also on the next round. You guessed 1988, one year off, whatever. But what did you what did you hear?
2: I, that it was going to be somewhere in mid 80s, and I was just like, "Is it 87? Is it 88?" I I was trying to figure out when when they would have started playing it, and I just was like, "I'm." up to the last minute, I was like going to go 87 and then I went 88. So that's, (laughs) that's how we ended up. But I listened to a lot, uh, from, I remember like a lot of my early tapes that I got were in that 87, 88. So it just had that really familiar, familiar quality to me. So.
1: So like Chad and Andy were saying, it was the speed that helped you identify it.
2: That and, uh, I was trying to, one of the things I was listening to, earlier today was just a bunch of different dylan covers uh and where they placed them where they placed them in years and just kind of the variation in that and so that helped me a little bit in this
1: so you did a dylan crash course in preparation for the show yeah i'm gonna come (laughs) on here (laughs) sick that's awesome uh and also really smart because yeah there's so many of them if you just cover those it's like it's like studying like uh, like Greek mythology for Jeopardy. You know, it's like, well, something's going to come up, you know, John, I'm sorry, you're odd man out and eliminated. You guessed 89, only two years off. Uh, what are you going to do? Uh, what'd you? Yeah. Think
3: there? Um, all day. I was like, just go with your gut. Just go with your gut. I, 87 flashed in my mind first. And then I just kind of scrambled and threw out 89. Cause that's like really my, my weak spot. I kind of can't stand Brent. So. Oh wow. <laughs> so, well, why not? Um, I like his his voice, his choices of synth tones. I mean, it's not like I'm not like this isn't an original thought. I mean, a lot of people have problems with that stuff, but I mean, I just I can't really take it. Uh, since I signed up for the show, I. I've been trying to like force some eighties and nineties on myself, but I'll put a show on and then just be like, "Why, why, why am I doing this <laughs> if I don't like it?"
1: <laughs> so you'll take Vince over
3: Brent? I mean, no, like I don't know because I hate I hate to trash talk Brent so much. Like I know a lot of people really love him. Obviously, Jerry loved him. So, like, that says a lot. He's a good player, but, like, when you're, like, using the Doogie Howser, like, synth tones, it's I I can't deal with it. It's always some, like, form of, like, chimey marimba sound that just, like, it almost starts to sound like a karaoke backing track for a Grateful Dead song to me especially when they got like like all the mid, like the midi guitars and stuff and like Jerry's blowing a jazz flute. (laughs) Like it just, it sounds like a ringtone or like a karaoke track to me. So I don't know. It's just my humble opinion.
1: Are there any exceptions to your rule? Have you ever been like, I know I don't like Brent, but that was a great track.
3: I mean, yeah, it happened. Like, He's he, he's a good player, like, and like they definitely played really well at a lot of shows in that era. But I don't know; it's just like sonically, the tones aren't the same to me.
1: Well, John, this is a safe space for all opinions, and we appreciate you letting it fly. There's a lot of Brent praise that goes on, so thank you for uh, your honesty.
3: <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me. That was fun.
1: For sure. We'll get you a police escort out of the chat. So be sure see.
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: All right, John. Thanks a lot, man. Appreciate it. Uh-huh. All right. Andy, Chad, and Dave are fighting for two spots in the best of three series to see who wins the Play Dead Prize Pack. Let's play the song. <laughs>
0: With the gold of sunshine, and my tunes were played on the heart of John.
1: the guesses are in and it was Ripple at Sanger Performing Arts Center in New Orleans on October 18th, 1980. Robert Hunter wrote the song in 1970 in London on the same afternoon that he wrote the lyrics to Broke Down Palace and To Lay Me Down. Everyone guessed 1980. I didn't fool fucking anyone. I thought that'd be at least be like a little, I don't know, (laughs) something Uh, clearly as a dud. Dave, what did you hear there? How'd you identify it?
2: I, I, before the, I answered before the female vocalist came in at the end. So I thought it was from the, from the acoustic run, um, that they did live recordings from. And then the, then she came in and I was like, oh geez, like, did, did was that like some weird, like 81 loophole? But, uh, no, just from listening to those live recordings from then.
1: Yeah. I wasn't sure who that was, honestly. I guess it was either Brent or some kind of like one-off guest vocalist, but Chad, you, maybe, you know, you um, sent your guess in pretty much immediately. What'd you hear there?
4: Well, it wasn't a female that came in. That was Brent actually. And you know, 80, 81, it was the last time they played ripple. I think they played it one time in 88 at a, ben- some kind of benefit concert maybe for like, a cancer patient or somebody and that particular participant that benefit person had actually requested ripple i think in 88 and they had shelved it previous to that and after that so yeah it sounded to me like the radio city acoustic 1980 um seemed like kind of a no-brainer there for me andy same for you
5: I think that where you got us was with Sanger. Um, I think you got us all there. And right for me, 1980, right away, within four seconds as well, I was like, this is 80. This is either Warfield or Radio City. But it wasn't either of those. I totally forgot about the New Orleans um, acoustic set. So at least uh, we all move on, and you still got us somehow.
1: All right. Still fighting for two spots in the best of three series. Let's play the song. Thank you. Dupree's Diamond Blues at Paramount Theater in Portland, Oregon on October 2nd, 1977. This was the first Dupree's Diamond Blues since 1969. So Dave was closest, 1976. How'd you suss that, Dave?
4: Uh,
2: I, I'm not really even sure. <laughs> uh, it, I, I, I don't get the 77. It kind of had that there's in 76 and 78, there's some shows in there that always kind of throw me for a, a loop time wise, whether because of recording or just tempo in that. And so I've learned that when I know it's a 70 show and I can't trust myself that it's 76 or 78. And so I just went for 76 this time.
1: Andy also gets 79, and he is on to the finals, which means Chad, our defending champ, is eliminated. Chad, we'll get to you in a second, but first, Andy, what'd you hear there?
5: I also was baffled. I, to me, well, Dupree's Diamond Blues is one of my favorite songs of all time. That they never really did justice to live, uh, except in the 60s versions. Uh, but uh, an album uh, stands on its own, um, and it's so different than the live versions. But so I was thinking, okay, it didn't in nine, and I I remember like versions from eighty five, but I didn't think there was anything in between. But then I could tell it was Keith on piano, and so I'm like, okay, maybe seventy nine, maybe right before he died. I I don't know, because um, I, I I thought it it didn't happen in the seventies, but I guess there was that occurrence as as we just heard. So. I guess, 79, to uh, fringe it against the 80s.
1: Wow. Keith's piano is saving the day for you.
5: Yeah. Seriously. Thank you,
0: Keith.
1: <laughs> Chad, very sorry to see you go. You guess 1982. Uh, why 82?
4: Well, I knew they had brought Dupree's back in 77, 78, and they kind of shelved it until 82 and on through the 80s, and I really thought I heard Brent on the piano. I really thought it sounded like Brent with the little wiggles there. I guess it was just the song choice, but um, I uh, I misdiagnosed the keyboards there, so my guess was 82.
1: So you and I were talking this week, and you mentioned that you were actually at the massive Grateful Dead gate crash where whatever thousands of fans stormed through the gates and into the concert and they had to cancel the show. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
4: Well, what happened was, so the dead were playing, they were playing two nights, uh, in 95 in deer Creek. And the second night was a Rex foundation benefit concert. And it was also being billed officially as the grateful dead's 30th anniversary show. So the second night, which obviously never happened, it was canceled, um, was supposed to have been a, you know, a pretty big deal. And my friends and I, we had tickets to that second night. We couldn't score tickets for the first night. But you know I lived about two hours from Deer Creek. So we went down the day before, set up a campsite, and we were camping and just went down a day early. I wasn't even really trying to find a ticket to the first night. I was just hanging out, waiting for that 30th anniversary, you know, show. And so the gate crash. So Deer Creek, it's like any outside amphitheater. It's, It's a big circle. And they have a concourse that goes a full 360 degrees all the way around the venue. And for the bigger concerts, the big deals, which would be Circa Grateful Dead 95, they open the whole thing up in the complete circle. And so, so outside the fence where we were, there were three cops and they were in full uniform, um, on the Hill right outside that wooden gate. There was one clear to the left, one clear to the right and one in the, in the middle. And there were about, about 50 yards in between each one, I'd say. So they were spread out, you know, quite well. And, uh, (laughs) what happened was there was one kid he shot up that hill just took off running up the hill and he was goading these security guys or these cops and he would run up and run back down and run up and run back down and of course the crowd took notice all the people outside and they were cheering this guy on and uh he runs up and down back and forth and he stops in the middle like threw his hands out like what are you gonna do what are you gonna do And about the fifth time, fourth or fifth time, he ran just a little too far. (laughs) And one of those cops took off after him. And he runs down side to side. He's zigging and zagging, pulling a Kyler Murray, you know, run, (laughs) run to the left, run to the right and going back and forth. And and everybody's cheering this guy on at this point. Before long, all three of these cops are chasing him up and down this hill and around side to side. It was like a fucking Three Stooges movie, man. This guy's crossing over and breaking their ankles and they're falling over each other. And it was so funny. We were all laughing and cheering this guy. And eventually he jumps up and he runs clear to the left, to my left, what I'm looking at. He goes way, way, way to one side and just keeps going full, full bore, full blast. And all three of these cops, that were guarding this fence, take off after him, clear to the left. And once the right side, once the right side of that fence is left unguarded, it was like a river, man, of people, straight, just straight up the hill. And they start, they start jumping the fence and breaking it down. and um, So they jump the fence and everybody, you know, it's a big chaotic scene at this point. And noblesville where the venue is is just no on the north side of indianapolis and it didn't take long before here come the cops i mean every cop in the city was there come and you know deer creek at that time now it's more built up it's more of a neighborhood you know 30 years later now at that time it was in the middle of a giant cornfield like there was nothing out there and you could see them coming down down the highway from miles away just flashing lights and so the cops came in in a single file all through the place, and they surround the whole venue. There were three cop cars deep, so you got a layer of police officers and a second layer of cars behind that, and a third layer behind that. And by that time, the sun went down, man. Hey, they, they had there was helicopters and spotlights, and it was like a scene out of Die Hard, <laughs> and. By the time we got back, the next morning the sun's coming up. When we finally got out of there, made it back to our camp Brown, and we're listening to the local radio station, and you know, found out the second night was canceled. Of course, we figured, but um, I never got to go to that 30th anniversary show. It never did happen.
1: See, I always thought that the gate crash was a concerted, organized effort because they do that nowadays, where everyone's like, let's meet outside Blues at a certain time and run at the gate. So it's incredible that it was just like organic.
4: Well, I heard you talking about it on a previous podcast. It was mentioned for a moment and I thought to myself, hey, I saw the whole thing that day. So we'll we'll tell the story. Good game, guys.
1: Great run. Um, Enjoyed everything you had to say. Thanks for that definitive account of the gate crash. And yeah, thanks for being here.
4: No problem, guys. Thank you. Thanks, Mike.
1: Okay. Dave and Andy, best of three series for the Play Dead's prize pack. Let's play the first song.
0: Some are making monuments, some are jotting down notes, everybody's in despair, every girl and boy when in the Eskimo gets in, everybody's gonna jump with door. Come on without it. come on within You'll not see nothing like the mighty.
1: All right, the guesses are in Quinn the Eskimo at the Spectrum in Philly on October fifth, nineteen ninety four. First released in 1968 as Mighty Quinn by the British band Manfred Mann. Well, Andy was closer, 1988. Dave guessed
5: 1987. Andy, what'd you hear? I mean, I heard 87, 88. I, I, uh, when I started hearing, at first, everything sounded 87 to me, 88. And then when I started hearing the piano, I was like, wait, or when I started hearing the the, uh, harmonies, I was like, wait, is that Vince? But it was so faint. And then the uh the keys really mimicked Brent in such a way that I was like, yes, this is them playing the Mighty Quinn in the prime of the dead playing the Mighty Quinn, which is late 80s. So I went 88. Uh, so you got tricked by Vince doing a Brent impersonation.
1: Basically. Well, there it is. Dave, you guessed 1987. What'd you hear there?
2: Same way, and I like I said, I was listening to uh, some covers earlier and there was a there was a Visions of Johanna from 95 that threw me in the same way because it sounded exactly like this and I was like is that going to be it and I'm like no I'm going to just go for the after having that 80 one that was so similar to the um the albums they put out like I just thought it was in that same kind of category so oh well
1: well, i was excited to drop that one on you guys because i thought it just sounded so good confusingly good for a 94 show but all right let's play the next song <laughs> To Lay Me Down at the Starlight Theater in Kansas City, Missouri on August 3rd, 1982. To Lay Me Down originally appeared on Jerry's first solo album released in 1972 titled Garcia. Andy guessed 1987. He was closer because Dave guessed 1975. Andy, you are the new champ of Guest of the Year. Congratulations. You win the Play Dead prize Woo! Pack. Great right. effort, Dave. Uh, Andy, why? Uh,
5: why eighty seven? That I got asked the same thing. I mean, I was five years off, so I knew it wasn't nineteen eighty. Um, and what, for some reason, I got I was getting confused because I know Jerry did a lot of acoustic shows where uh, there would be a sound like that, and so I knew eighty seven. I thought 87 The Dead might have done some acoustic sets, but I'm probably wrong on that. So it turns out this wasn't uh, acoustic in the first place or even a standalone, um, just part of a set. Um, and I think I misread it and I got lucky uh, by only being five years off and and not seven. So 1982, uh, holler Kansas City, um, great Midwestern city.
1: Wow. First Kansas City shout out in the history of Guest of the year. Big for that. <laughs> big, big, big. Dave, you guessed 1975.
2: Yeah, I just couldn't, uh, couldn't place it. It just, for me, it could have been too many different things. So that was, I was putting it closer to a re- when it would have come out. Um, and no, that's, I had nothing.
1: Well, Jerry sounded pristine. So I totally understand where you're coming from with 1975. Dave, um, yeah, thanks so much for coming on the show.
2: Awesome. Awesome job, Andy. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, this is a lot of fun.
1: All right. Subscribe to Guest the Year on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. For show updates, follow us at, at Guest the Year Show on Instagram. If you want to be again tested on the show, sponsor the show, or make comments, ask questions, email us guesttheyourshow at gmail.com. Thank you so much to PlayDead for putting together the prize pack. Everyone should. Check out Play Dead at Always Play Dead on Instagram and I'll put their a link to the website and their Instagram in our our show notes at the bottom there. Shout out to Dylan for drawing the posters. Thanks to Drew for suggesting that perfect song to start out our show uh, honoring the late, great David Crosby. Thank you so much for listening. For the fun facts I relied heavily on dead.net, Dead Disc, and Grateful Dead of the Day and their commenters so thank you to them. Thanks to the Amazing Tapers, who, whose recordings made this show possible. Congratulations to our new winner, Andy. And to other contestants, thanks so much for playing, and remember, it's all one song, anyways.
0: And I bet you good night. Good night. Good night. And I bet you good night. Good night. Good night.